Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome to the show today. It is uh, 8 o'clock in the morning. Perhaps you are driving to work, and uh, maybe you woke up late and you didn't have enough time to read your Bible or spend any time with the Lord, so we're going to hopefully help provide that for you now. And here's the thing. If you just latch on to one sentence, one verse here, we're going to go over Psalm 132. Perhaps if you just think about that and meditate on that during the day, it will actually be sustenance for your soul all day long. I think sometimes, brother, um, so it's just me and Russ on the air today, unfortunately. Um, Sorry, brother. (laughs) Maturity will come back next week. Um, But Sometimes I'm kind of an all or nothing guy where it's like if I can't do my devotions exactly the way that I want to do them, then it's just kind of a a wash. But recently I'm like, if I can just grab a hold of one truth, one truth and and think about that and let it roll over my soul, and that's been really helpful to me lately. I I talked to somebody about this yesterday and and maybe it might be helpful for you too. I, I have coached track and field for 25 years plus. And one of the things that I've realized over the years is that as I'm working with young people and encouraging them to get ready for the upcoming track season, um, I've seen just such a difference in preparation. So some people will wait until the last minute and then all of a sudden say, oh no, track starts next week, I better go out and I'm going to get in shape all in this one day and they go out and, and run three or four miles. Well, they weren't ready for that. Their body wasn't ready for that. And so they end up sore, they end up um, hurt, or whatever it might be. Well, what I've always told my young people is, start with where you're at and continue to work to where you want to be. Yeah. And so if that means that you've been kind of sitting around for a while, don't go out and try to run five miles. Go for a brisk walk, maybe for the, your first day of "quote unquote" training for track. Yeah, maybe that means going out and running a half of a mile. Yeah, um, and what happens is your body gets used to a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And I would say that spiritually, we're not that different than we are physically. If you haven't been doing a lot of, of spending time with God in His Word or in prayer. It's okay to read a couple of verses yeah. and pray for a minute. Yeah. That that's more than you were yesterday. Yeah. But what I'm will tell you is then the next day it's going to maybe be a little bit easier. Yeah. And it maybe you'll want to read just a little bit longer. And that doesn't mean that it won't ebb and flow. Yeah. But it does mean that so often I think people realize they've been without and then they try to go in and all of a sudden they say, I need to read more. And then they grab John Owen off the shelf and say, I'm going to read John Owen. Yeah. Well, you might not be ready for him. And, and you're just going to set yourself up for failure. Because and then, then you you're get discouraged. Keep condemnation on yourself. Uh, there was a, a Pew poll, I think, that just came out that said like 
of Americans read their Bible daily. 9%. So maybe you're in the 9%. So our uh, goal here this morning is to help kind of build up those those spiritual muscles. So we're going to, in Psalm 132, let's just hit like, I don't know, five verses at a time and comment on it. Remember, O Lord, in David's favor, all the hardships he endured, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. I guess I should ask you, maybe that's not the way you wanted to tackle this song. This is exactly how I want to tackle this. So these first five verses are really a historic, a poetic description of a historic event. So it's going back in time to 2 Samuel 7, where David is concerned that he is living in a palace and God does not have a temple. And he makes he wants to build the Lord a house, a temple, a dwelling place. And he gets kind of quote unquote permission from the prophet and then God comes and says no no you're not going to build me a house I'm going to build you a house and your son is going to build me a house and this is this great um, it's called the Davidic covenant that God makes this great promises to David of that one of his sons will always reign as king Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's the background of the psalm is is just putting into poetic form these historic events. Mm-hmm. And, of course, once you get to the New Testament, Matthew 16, mm-hmm. uh, Jesus tells Peter, um, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the connection between old and new here is so mm-hmm. um, helpful. All right, so verse uh, – how many verses do you want me to tackle here before go, I pause? Go through verse 10, I think. Okay, so behold, we have heard of it in Ephaphratha. We have found it in the fields of Ja'ar. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness and let your saints shout for joy for the sake of your servant David. Do not turn away the face of your anointed one. So this is the idea that um, I really think this is representing the, at least some of the, once again, historical events. This is a dedication of the temple, Second Chronicles um, chapter 6. Um, some of the same language is being used that the, the, the ark is coming into the temple. Um, if you will, the Lord is, his presence. They can't um, see your air quotes. I don't know why you do that. <laughs> because it helps. <laughs> the Lord is going to his his temple. His presence is going. Um, the Old Testament would talk about it as his Shekinah glory. Um, so um, at some visible way, you could see um, the presence of God um, coming to the temple. And that's kind of where we're at in the psalm. Mm-hmm. And you can see the... Uh, the the proper response to this uh, in verse nine, uh, let your saints shout for joy. I mean, God, this is the whole goal of the Bible, that God would be our God, that we would be His people, that He would dwell among us. I mean, so He He the psalmist is picking up on the very heart of the covenant. Mm-hmm. And verse nine is actually a prayer: Let your priests be clothed with righteousness, and your sh- saints shout for joy. And um, Verse 16 is the answer to the prayer. 
her priests I will clothe with salvation, mm. and her saints will shout for joy. And so you've got in the same psalm a prayer being raised and God's answer later in, in the psalm. All right, so how many verses do you may tackle now? I think we can finish it at this point. Okay, so the Lord, this is verse 11. The Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn his back, turn back. One of the sons of your body, I will set on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their sons also forever shall sit on your throne. Real quick, that actually is the same, what we just talked about earlier about Second Samuel 7, where God had said, you are saying you want to do something for me, but it's actually the other way. I'm going to make an oath to you um, based upon my steadfast love, I'm going to make a promise of the Messiah that will come from you. So this is just and, that and event. Is, and isn't this really the heart of, of Christianity and how it sets it apart from every other religion? Mm-hmm. Every other religion is, God, I, I need to do something for you to prove myself to you. And in Christianity, God is saying, no, child, I love you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do something for you, and That's it's right. going to be the most amazing thing. It's going to be me giving you my son. Mm-hmm. Verse 13, for the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Her priests I will clothe with salvation. Her saints will shout for joy. There I will make a horn to sprout for David. I prepared a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame but on him his crown will shine. If you really begin to understand what's being said here, it's an amazing thought. Um, The Lord has chosen Zion. Zion in Scripture can represent a lot of things. Um, I would say it's it's always kind of both and. It's, It's all of them. Zion represents Jerusalem itself. Zion represents the temple. But really Zion represents God's people in all time. So for the Lord has chosen his people is really what it's saying. And he desired it, his people for his dwelling place. That's the, the, the reality of what the new Testament talks about. Well, what's the temple today? It's not a building. It's God's people that God has chosen to dwell in us. First Corinthians six, that we are the temple of the Holy spirit. So connecting back to the beginning of what we said this morning, if you're driving to work, maybe this is the verse that you hold on to all day long. The The Lord has chosen you, dear saint. The Lord has chosen Zion, not just you, but all the people of God. He has desired it for his dwelling place. And he says, this is my resting place forever. What a precious truth to dwell on. But then the next line, here I will dwell for I have desired it. Can you let that just sink in? The God of of all creation, the God of majesty, um, a God beyond our ability to comprehend. God who who made all the stars and knows everyone by name. Desires to dwell with you and with me and all of his people. Yeah. I mean, that's an incredible promise. And, and, and it's not like he desires to dwell with you if you perform well this week or because you're such a special person. Um, no, I mean, the, the, the testimony of Scripture, I love that 
I know you're familiar with it. It's either Deuteronomy 7 or Deuteronomy 9, where God is saying, I've chosen you, Israel. It's not because you're you're great in number, you're fewer than these. It's not because of your righteousness, because you are wicked and stubborn. He says, I, I have loved you because I love you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing here. Why does he want to dwell with us? Well, it's not because of anything in us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because of who he is. And then the, the promise in verses 15 and 16, I will abundantly bless her provisions, I will satisfy her poor with bread, her priests I will clothe with salvation, her saints will shout for joy. Really what that's saying is we can try to make that physical, and that's true. God does take care of our physical needs. But I actually think that this is really talking about all of the spe- spiritual blessings that are ours as God's children. Yes. To me, I think the full... Um, understanding of this would come from from reading Ephesians one, mm-hmm. um, that God in Jesus Christ has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Yeah. Well, how how could it not be that interpretation? Because you think about our persecuted brothers and sisters, either in the Middle East or in China. Some of them are in prison right now. Does this do these verses apply to them that God is blessing them? Mm-hmm. And we have to answer yes. And so it's a different type of blessing than just purely material blessing. And the psalm ends on this incredible note of victory. Her, his enemies I will clothe with shame, but on him his crown will shine. Um, what's the end of the story? The, the end of the story is the triumph of the Lamb and his people, mm-hmm. that evil will be vanquished, that all those that are opposed to Jesus Christ will, will come to an end, and Jesus Christ and his people will reign forever. Amen. Well, hopefully you are able to grab a hold of one verse and use it to meditate on all day long, um, dear saint. And uh, we hope that you we hope that you pick up your Bible this week. And, and remember what, what Pastor Russ said, um, don't try to run a marathon. Start by just getting little bits of food and, and nourish your inner man. So we will see you next time on The Gospel for Life.